Hi, welcome to the Let's K-12 Better podcast. My name is Amber Coleman-Mortley, and these are my kids. Hi! In our podcast, we will cover a variety of subjects involving K-12 education. We will talk about the ways that parents, kids, and educators can improve education. We encourage you to join our conversation on social media using the hashtag Let's K-12 Better. Let's jump in to episode three of the Let's K-12 Better podcast. It's easy to recognize how COVID-19 is a teachable moment at the medical and economic level. But this pandemic has provided some very important civic lessons as well. As we watch power dynamics between our governors and the president play out as it was written in the 10th Amendment of the Constitution, we see how the men who drafted this document attempted to orchestrate the delicate dance of federalism that guides many aspects of our lives today. What a civic moment to be alive. In fact, I'd argue that every moment that deals with the relationship between people, governing bodies, power dynamics, social agreements, and how our lives work so well, and even not so well, is a civic moment, even in the most concrete of ways, like taxes taken out of your paycheck to support the roads outside your homes and the schools, and even the mail delivery systems and law enforcement. We often forget that it is our votes and our engagement that create the communities we live in. Our rules are established by the civic choices made in the past or in the present by groups of people attempting to establish boundaries around how we live together. However, civics is rarely taught with the level of intention required to equip people with the confidence they need to change the systems and infrastructures that guide their lives. Only 10 states in the United States and the District District of Columbia require one year of U.S. government or civics. And Maryland and the District of Columbia are the only places that require both community service and civic courses for graduation. How are we going to be good civic participants if we don't practice civics in school? We took a moment to talk with Dr. Emma Humphreys, Chief Education Officer at iCivics, about the importance of civics. iCivics is the leading civic education resource in the country, with over 200,000 registered teachers and over 6 million students served last year. Dr. Humphreys has a bit of information to share on this very important topic. Uh, we are delighted to have Dr. Emma Humphreys, Chief Education Officer at iCivics, join us today. Welcome to the podcast, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so let's start with our question. Can you share with the listeners about you, what you do at iCivics, what is your role at iCivics, or what is, what is that you do in layman's terms? So what do you do in layman's terms? Yeah, I mean, in the simplest of terms, all I do is respond to emails and sit on conference calls all day. But uh, my actual job 
is, um, is leading our curriculum team. I'm so fortunate that the primary topic of uh, my job is to create innovative, fun, effective, and engaging civic learning resources. So as Chief Education Officer, I serve as iCivic's instructional expert, if you will, and I lead our curriculum team. I work with that team to ideate and innovate and create the best possible resources for young people to learn about civics. Um, it's an awesome job that gives my professional life just so much meaning. We'll go to our next question. What is civics? How do you define it? What topics, activities, or interests inc are included in civics? So civics is a very popular line of Honda sports cars that come in several models and trim packages. Uh, you see them every day on the road. Just kidding, that's a terrible joke, terrible. I know you're gonna edit that out. Uh, <laughs> well, we're keeping that. <laughs> All right, it's my, it's my favorite go-to joke about civics that I've been making for probably a decade and I really need new material. But um, so civics is sort of an amalgamation of important subject matters that help us understand how our political and social world operates. It includes a little bit of history, government, political science, humanities, and even economics. But at its core, civics is about you and me, about the role of the citizen in public life. So in government class, you learn about the three branches and you learn about checks and balances and elections and such. And in civics class, you learn about those things too, but the focus is so much more on the role of the individual in all of those institutions and processes. So the subject matter might seem really, really similar to a government course. And a lot of times those two topics are confused or conflated. People will use civics and government synonymously, but, but civics is really more of that focus on the role of the individual in our democratic republic. So activities would be something as simple as just learning how to vote. So in government class, you learn that voting is important and voting is how we determine who our leaders are in a, in a democracy. But in a civics course, you would go that extra step and register to vote or talk about how one goes about registering to vote and actually voting. Again, the, the focus is really on the individual. So it sounds like civics is a very action uh, oriented, like doing something. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, our friends over at Mikva Challenge, that's another civic education provider. They always say uh, democracy is a verb. And I used to work for uh, a former governor and Senator Bob Graham, and he would say that civics isn't a spectator sport. Uh, civics is something that really requires the active engagement of the people, of the citizens, and that's what differentiates it. Um, so I have a question. The nation's report card, also known as uh, the National Assessment for Education Progress, or NAEP, uh, they released their civic assessment results uh, recently in April. Um, and, you know, what do those results mean? Like, what do they tell people? And like, how would you define what they found for parents, right? Like, what, how, how would you break it down for the parent people? So, so sadly, the, the results of the most recent uh, Nations Report Card and Civics uh, only tell us what we already knew. And that's that we're dropping the ball when it comes to teaching students about their most important role in this world, uh, their role as citizens. Um, so that's really what the, the civics assessment's all about, sort of basic knowledge about our government and, and how it works. And what we know is that uh, we're not doing a good enough job, that there are far too many students who aren't even proficient in the, the knowledge required to uh, actively participate um, and to know what's going on. 
They also tell us that when it comes to the types of knowledge that this test measures, white non-Hispanic kids know more than kids of color and Hispanic kids. And I want you to really notice my very careful word choice when it comes to the types of knowledge that this test measures. I say this because I believe that kids of color and Hispanic kids have lots of civic knowledge that their white non-Hispanic peers do not have. But this test doesn't measure that knowledge, right? This test is really measuring sort of the most traditional uh, forms of government, uh, government knowledge, things like the three branches. We're out to ask kids about other um, sort of non-traditional forms of political engagement that's more community-based. These, these stores would be different and they would tell a different story, they paint a different picture. So I like to be really honest about what this test is and what it isn't and what it measures and what it doesn't because it's a good indicator. It tells us what we need to know, which is that we really are dropping the ball by and large for all kids in America. But there's some nuances in there that these results don't really get at and I, I think it's really important. So, um, you know, that important caveat aside, the fact remains that we're not teaching our kids enough about government and their role in it. And that's true across the board for all students. We as a society are not prioritizing or investing enough in civic education. Um, I've seen some memes, I'm sure you've seen them too, that say things like, vote like your life depends on it because it does. I think we need to teach civics like our democracy depends on it because it does we really shouldn't take our system of government for granted. We are its guardians, the people are its guardians, um, but it's not a job that we're born knowing how to do. We must teach it. And uh, Supreme Court, retired Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, she was the first woman on the Supreme Court. She says that knowledge of how our democracy works is not passed down through the gene pool. We have to teach it to each new generation. And there are no truer words. Um, just because you're born in America or you're a naturalized citizen uh, doesn't mean that you understand how our democracy works. Um, okay, so it seems like this test is providing um, insights demographically, right, but also overall, and that we should take the, set, the, the assessment results seriously, but while also acknowledging there are a few places where we could do better and investigate a bit more, especially within communities of color and how they engage as far as civic education is concerned. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, what the test tells us at sort of a high level is that we need to do a better job with civics, and that is 100% true, no caveats needed. But yes, we need to do a better job of uh, reaching students of color, reaching marginalized students with, with a form of civic education that is more relevant to their lives. Um, and then eventually test on those forms of civics and types of civic knowledge that are more relevant to, to students. And that, that will put us in the best place possible. But there is no, uh, no need to mince words. There's no need to sort of uh, uh, caveat the fact that um, we're not doing a good enough job of teaching civics in the United States of America. And we're seeing the detrimental effects of that. Not awesome, but your answer is very clear and clarifying. So appreciate that. We'll move to our next question. Many parents took civics a long time ago. Why should parents care about civics? I love this question because it sort of assumes that parents don't care about civics. And while most of us would take offense to that assumption, it's sort of true. So if you were to ask folks, do you think civics is important? They'll mostly say, yes, of course. But if you ask them to rank civics alongside math, science, reading, they mostly rank it last, and, and that's the problem. So what I think we need in America is to uh, cultivate a national mindset shift in which 
parents, educators, politicians, everyone thinks of civics as just as important, if not more so than the other primary subjects. I like to remind people that the whole reason we founded public schools in America was to cultivate the habits and the knowledge of citizenship. It's called the civic mission of schools. It's the primary purpose of public schooling in America. And it's just devastating to me how far away from that we've gotten. So if you were to ask parents, you know, hey, why do you send your kids to school? They would say things like, oh, you know, so that they can uh, learn to read and write and do math and get into a good college and get a good job and, and have a good life. And, and sure, I want all of those things for my children too, but I also want them to learn how to be informed, knowledgeable, active citizens in our democratic republic. In fact, I think that's more important than those other things, right? I want my kids to be happy, uh, good people, but I also really want them to be good citizens who care about the common good and care about the public just as much as they care about themselves and their loved ones. That is excellent. Um, and hopefully more people get on that bandwagon. I know that we, we're on there with you. <laughs> Please, get on this um, okay, train so with us. Choo-choo! train! Yes. <laughs> um, so our next question is, can you introduce you, our listeners to iCivics? What is it? It would be my pleasure. So iCivics is an ed tech nonprofit that was founded by retired Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor to reimagine civic learning. We are in our 10th year of providing free, effective, and engaging civic learning resources that now reach over 7 million students a year. Um, we're most known for our games. We have about 20 free digital games that allow students to experience important civic processes and positions like creating a new law, voting, running for president, being president, running a county government, arguing a Supreme Court case, being a lawyer, et cetera, right? These games are simulations that allow students to experience important parts of our civic fabric in government that they might otherwise not be able to. Uh, but the games only comprise a small fraction of our full library. We have over 240 resources in total, which include games, lesson plans, web quests, primary source modules, slide decks, infographics, and much, much more. You know, every day my team thinks about, talks about, brainstorms, what can we create that will make civic learning more fun, more authentic, more relevant, more engaging, and more effective for kids, right? So we, we want to make teachers' lives easier. We want to make kids' school and learning experience uh, more exciting, more relevant, more fun. And ultimately, we want to sort of uh, break the, uh, the reputation of civics as being sort of boring and, and dry and textbook and worksheets. And, and bring it to life in a, in a far more engaging way. Sounds like you have a really amazing job. I do. <laughs> we'll talk about the ways uh, that parents can access this totally amazing resource. Um, iCivics released the remote learning toolkit for educators and parents. How can parents access this? What should they expect when they get here? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. I'm so proud of this toolkit. Um, and I'm proud of this toolkit because it represents to me uh, sort of the best compliment that I think iCivics has ever received. So um, some of your listeners may know that uh, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor has fully retired from, from public life and that 
uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor has joined the iCivics Board and really taken up the mantle of leadership for civic education. And the best compliment uh, she ever gave us and that I think iCivics has ever received is that iCivics is an organization that listens. We listen, we pay attention, and we really try to respond in real time to what we think or hear that, that teachers need. And so when schools started closing, at least campuses started closing um, in response to COVID, we immediately got to action to think about how can we do our part uh, to make this better for educators and now parents who are stepping into this role of educator and uh, you know teacher's aid, if you will. So uh, the iCivics Toolkit is a sort of one-stop shop for educators and parents to provide engaging materials for teaching kids about civics while they are experiencing remote learning, uh, learning at home. So if you go to www.icivics.org slash toolkit, all one word, you will be at the iCivics Toolkit. And from there, you can choose uh, the pathway that is most relevant to you. So I know for our audience right now, that would be uh, for families. So you would click on free family activities. And once you're there, you're gonna find a whole uh, sort of library of, of resources, but there's two that I wanna highlight. Um, one is our game Odyssey. So when, when, schools, when school campuses closed and kids went home for learning, um, we realized that there was this important piece we needed to leverage and that's student motivation, right? So kids are no longer sort of in desks as a captive audience uh, under the threat of you know, detention. They don't have the teacher there to make sure they're doing the work and they really need to sort of rely on themselves to be motivated. So we thought about how we could bake that into our existing resources so that students would want to experience them. So we created the game Odyssey. It's, uh, it comprises nine game quests uh, that are spread across three topical levels. And so the idea is you play iCivics games and you complete these activities to earn a badge and uh, ultimately level up to being a civic boss. So that is the iCivics game Odyssey. We're releasing a new Odyssey each week and we're getting excellent feedback from uh, teachers, parents, and students about how engaging it is. Uh, another thing we've created is the weekly planner. Um, these exist for both middle school and high school options, and it's sort of a, a week of activities, not too daunting, not too much, just a week of really meaningful activities tied to a theme. That theme will correspond with the game Odyssey, so you can use the weekly planner alongside the game Odyssey, uh, and just sort of expose your kids to important sort of foundational civics civics topics in a way that isn't too dry or too boring or irrelevant. So um, that's all on the iCivics Toolkit. I urge folks to check it out. There is a great introduction video there from some awesome women that I know uh, talking all about the toolkit and what's on it and uh, what you'll find once you're there. Awesome. Sounds like uh, iCivics has really been cooking up some really new and interesting and innovative um, ways to help parents kind of mitigate this crazy situation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, we're, we're experiencing this right alongside everyone else. As I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm really hoping that my, uh, my toddler isn't interrupting my husband's deposition. He's doing a virtual deposition for his job as, a, as an insurance company executive. And uh, the little one's doing gymnastics um, instead of doing her uh, Google Classroom assignments that I asked her to do, right? So, so things are crazy and we're, we're experiencing this right alongside everyone else. 
um, and we're using our own experiences to inform what we do and what we do next. Um, a lot of this, I'll be honest, is an experiment, right? This is all uncharted waters for us, uh, new territory. So we don't really know exactly what's the best solution. Uh, so we just keep experimenting, trying, getting feedback, uh, refining things so that ultimately we do come out with the best solutions. And we're just very fortunate because we're an organization that has always listened. Um, listening in this moment and, and uh, planning our next steps based on what, are, what we're hearing is something that's second nature to us. We've always done that. It just seems really hyper important right now. So it sounds like iCivics has a ton of really amazing things uh, to just help parents out and like really super appreciative that we're there to help. So that's awesome. Um, okay, so this last question, talking about civics. This is a big year for our civics. We got the election and the census. What would you like parents to remember about these events and how can they include their kids in these experiences? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Thank you so much. Um, you know, it's funny. We fully expected 2020 to be a big year. The presidential election, a once every 10 year census. Heck, it's even the centennial, the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which constitutionally guaranteed women the right to vote. As if all of that weren't enough, the universe gave us a global pandemic that brought our lives and our economies and our schooling uh, to a screeching halt. What a time to be alive. Uh, so right now in this moment, I want parents to remember that all of those big planned events are still happening. There is still an election, there is still a census, and even though we're hyper-focused on the pandemic and longing for a return to public life, we cannot forget to pay attention to and participate in these very important democratic activities and to model that for our, for our children to model how we're paying attention, to model how we're talking about it, and to talk to them about it, talk to our children about it. I'd also like to talk about what I want parents to remember in 5, 10, 20 years from now. Um, I want them to remember this unexpected downtime with their children, um, but more important than what they did or what they accomplished will be how their children felt and, and what they talked about. So, I know we're all concerned about continuity of learning and not losing the months of learning gains that we achieved up until March, um, but that should be a secondary concern. Our primary concern should be the social, social and emotional well-being of our children. And one effective way to support the well-being, that well-being is by talking to your kids. Real talk. Talk about COVID-19. Talk about what it means for individuals, for families, for your family but also talk about what it means for society, for government, for elections, uh, for our healthcare system. Have real conversations with your kids um, about what you're seeing on TV, what they're hearing and seeing in the news. Um, they need a space to process it. I, I assure you they are um, consuming more than you realize. They're hearing more than you think. I just had this happen for me the other day. Uh, my, my husband's grandfather uh, contracted COVID-19 in his nursing home and uh, eventually went into a hospital and then into hospice and he passed away. And we had told our daughter, our older eight-year-old, uh, that, that daddy's grandpa was sick and that he, uh, and then when he passed away, we told her that. 
I didn't know she knew all those other details. And I found out because she was doing a live Zoom session with her teacher in her class and they were talking and somehow this came up and I listened to my daughter lay out very sort of uh, systematically everything that I just laid out as an adult. She knew all the details. Um, and in that moment, I was incredibly proud of her, but I also felt incredibly bad for not having talked to her about that myself. Uh, she heard that, she picked it up, she knew what was going on the whole time, even though we weren't talking to her about it. So I consider that a bit of a parenting fail. I'm gonna reflect on that. Uh, but I'll say that I have had a lot of really great conversations with her and even with our three and a half year old. They understand more than we think they do. And I always feel really good about that. So I don't always feel great about how I'm doing with uh, helping my eight year old with homeschooling. I actually pretty, feel pretty terribly about that, even as an educator. I still fail to be a, a really effective sort of homeschool aid for my daughter, but I always feel great after I sit and talk to her about COVID, about the elections, about the administration, about the role of government in response to, to a crisis. So I really encourage parents to, um, to keep an eye out on that social uh, emotional health. And um, I mean, I know you're doing that. I know you care about that. Every parent cares about that. Um, but I think a really effective way to do that is to have these conversations with your kids. And the best part is doing so will promote learning, real learning. So you're teaching your kid and you're taking care of their soul at the same time. It's a win-win. Oh my God. So many wisdom nuggets have been shared with us in this conversation with you, Emma. First of all, there are no parenting fails. There are only parenting lessons. So That's right. you know what? You just learned a lesson. You absorbed that information. Thank no, thank you. You obviously we love you and you have a beautiful spirit. And we are just so thankful for you sharing with us your knowledge with us and our listeners in this moment. So thank you. Let's give her a round of applause, y'all. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate you so, so much. This was such a treat for me. We encourage you to follow Dr. Emma Humphreys on Twitter at Gator Citizen, G-A-T-O-R-C-I-T-I-Z-E-N. Find the Remote Learning Toolkit from iCivics at www.icivics.org backslash toolkit. We challenge parents to talk with their kids about the importance of civic participation and to talk about the civic rights and responsibilities available to all. If you have any cool epiphanies that you'd like to share, please leave them in the comments or share them with us on social media. Each episode, we will share quotes that we find inspirational, and we will share what we think they mean. So um, it's always hard for me when I'm asked for a quote because I, I have so many of them that I love. Um, but those who know me best know that I love Dolly Parton. Um, she's one of my favorite people. She's a beautiful soul. And her voice reminds me of my Nana, which I think is why I have such a deep love and affection for Dolly. But in addition to Dolly's incredible music catalog, she has dropped so many amazing truth bombs and nuggets of wisdom on us. Um, there, there's just too many. So I'm going to actually share a few with you and then tell you my favorite one 
Um, one is you got to keep trying to find your niche and trying to fit into whatever slot that's left for you or to make one of your own. So find your niche, right? Dolly quote. Another Dolly quote, this one I really love. I know who I am. I know what I can do and can't do. I know what I will and won't do. I know what I'm capable of and I don't agree to things that I don't think I can pull off, right? So really getting at uh, the, the, the spirit of knowing yourself. But my favorite Dolly quote, because it's nice and short and it's, it's just perfect, is find out who you are and do it on purpose. So what do the culmination of these quotes mean to you? You know, I think the culmination means that uh, you need to know yourself more than anything. We're so obsessed with learning um, as much as can be learned and knowing as much as can be known. And uh, the bottom line is really anything you need to know in the world you can find on your, uh, your device. Uh, that's always, you know, within hand's reach, within arm's reach. The hardest thing to fully understand and to know is who you are, but it's the most important thing you can know. And once you know who you are, like Dolly says, uh, do it on purpose. There's only one you, you are the best you that there is. And uh, if you can embrace yourself and your uniqueness and what you bring to the world, uh, you'll find that you have a much more satisfying life. Uh, whatever makes your soul happy, do that, right? Um, know who you are, be who you are, be the best you that you can be. As Dolly says, do it on purpose. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is an American lawyer and jurist who is an associate justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Ginsburg was appointed by President Bill Clinton and took the oath of office on August 10, 1993. She is the second female justice. My quote is, fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. What does this quote mean to you? It means to me that, like, you need to find the solution, but while you're finding a solution, try not to get in the way of others and, like, try to even to, like, help get them to help you find a solution in the way that they would want to. My quote comes from Sandra Day O'Connor. She's an American attorney, politician, and jurist who served as an associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States from 1981 until her retirement in 2006. She was the first woman to serve on the court, and she's the founder of iCivics. My quote is, do the best you can in every task, no matter how unimportant it may seem at the time. What does this quote mean to you? For me, it means never underestimate what you're working on because you don't know what impact it will make later on. My quote comes from Isabella Bonfrey. You may know her as Sojourner Truth, an American abolitionist and women's rights activist. She also became the first black woman to testify against a white man about something like slavery. My quote is, life's a hard battle anyways. If we laugh and sing a little while we fight the good fight of freedom, it makes it all go easier. I will not allow my light, life's light to be determined by the darkness around me. Sojourner Truth. What does this quote mean to you? To me, this means find the light or the good things in a bad situation. My quote comes from Audre Lorde, an American writer, feminist, womanist, librarian, and civil rights activist. Her quote reads, It is not our differences that divide us. It is our inability to recognize, accept, and celebrate those differences.
To me, this quote means that we should not seek sameness of thought. And in relation to civics, politics, and government, we must find the places in which our lives overlap the lives of our neighbors and friends and even the strangers in our communities, accepting and appreciating the uniqueness of who they are and what they bring to the American story. We'd like to thank our very special guest, Dr. Emma Humphreys, for joining us today on the podcast. Remember to follow her on Twitter at Gator Citizen. Also, check out the iCivics Remote Learning Toolkit, www.icivics.org backslash toolkit. Thank you for listening to the Let's K-12 Better podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on social media at Mom of All Capes everywhere and follow the Let's K-12 Better podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Share your thoughts about this episode using the hashtag Let's K-12 Better. That's hashtag L-E-T-S-K-1-2-B-E-T-T-E-R. Find us follow us, or subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. See you next time.